welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. Welcome to Celebration Sunday. I'm just going to give you guys some warning. Today's going to be a little bit different than most Sundays, and that's okay. But we are going to have um, some different things I think you're really going to enjoy today. you got some pictures rolling up here already. Uh, let me just tell you, it is an exciting time to be at Ramsey Heights right now. We've got so much stuff going on. If you didn't get to join us last night, we had our Light the Night celebration up in the upper parking lot, and it was phenomenal, guys. We had such a blessing. Most years, and I've told you guys this, literally... Kids pull in by the trailer load. Uh, last night, we looked at the numbers. We usually have two to 300 kids. I think we had closer to five to 600 last night that came through here. And we had opportunities to love on them and connect with them and, and tell them about Christ. We had this opportunity for them to know how much we love them, and we hope that that reflects how much God loves them. It was absolutely awesome last night to get to do that. This coming Saturday, something else bigger, if you've got your calendars or your phones or whatever you keep notes in, you're going to want to write this down, is our Operation Christmas Child Packing Party. You've heard us talk about this a lot over the past couple of years. Uh, we're going to be packing these shoe boxes, 200 shoe boxes, this coming Saturday. Uh, we will be packing these with all kinds of stuff like school supplies and toys and stuffed animals. And listen, you want to be a part of this. It is so much fun to come up here and you pick up this box and, and you go down the table and you put pencils in there and you put some paper in there and then you go pick up the cutest stuffed animal and the special toy and the whole time you're thinking man there's a little girl in Africa and she's going to open this and this box is going to have more than she's ever owned in her life and so you get the opportunity to think about that and celebrate that and then these boxes will be sent we've sent boxes to Mexico and Panama and Africa all over the world with these so we'll be doing that on Saturday here's the times you need to be aware of men where are my men at yeah, okay, very good. We got three men in the church. We got, we got three men here. Men, we need you here at 7 o'clock. We're going to be cooking. Even if you don't like to cook, you can come drink coffee and pretend you're cooking. That's what I do. I don't drink coffee, but I pretend I'm cooking. Men, at 7 o'clock, we're going to start cooking. Just come up here and fellowship. You're going to have a really, really great time. At... 8 o'clock, we will be serving breakfast. So everybody else, if you want to show up and you just want to eat, man or not, 8 o'clock, breakfast is going to be served. We hope to see you there. There will be more than enough food. We're Baptist, and we like to take care of it when we eat. So there will be plenty of food at that time. And then the actual packing party, if you think, I don't want to watch those people stuff all that bacon in their mouth, actual packing party at 9 o'clock. So I'm going to repeat that. Men up here to cook at 7 o'clock. Breakfast at 8 o'clock. Actual packing party starting at 9. You want to be here. Jessica also asked me, to announce there's a lot of work to do to get ready for the packing party. You have to work to be able to work around here. If you could come up here, anybody that wants to, Thursday night at 6 o'clock, she will be up here getting stuff ready. We've got more boxes to fold. We've got to get the tables put out. We've got to get all the stuff organized. We've got an awful lot to do. But that is all coming up. So as you can see, it's been a busy time. But today is Celebration Sunday. And you may be asking yourself, what are we celebrating today? You've seen our pictures. Are they scrolling up there? Look at that. Brother Danny looks like Adam, doesn't he? 
I asked Lenita, I said, did you ever have dark hair? Because her hair is still white, and this has been like 15 years ago. But these are some pictures from the uh, uh, when we started our church, and there's a few more pictures mixed in there since then. But we are celebrating today that we are at the end of a 16-year journey. For 16 years, we have been a church that has owed something to somebody. And today we sit here and we're celebrating the fact that we are debt free. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Yes, that absolutely. Praise God. I, I want to share with you guys some of the history of our church, and then we're going to talk about here in a little bit. We're just going to celebrate. We're going to praise God, and we're going to talk about our next chapter before we leave. But our 16-year journey started in 2004. Our pastor at the time, Brother Matt, Mike Ball, had a vision for our church. See, in his wisdom, he knew that the essence of a church is not how many people you get in the pews on Sunday morning. It's how we build relationships with each other, connect and grow, and then we go out and serve God. And what he knew about Ramsey Heights in the building that we had, the old one over there, is that we didn't have anywhere to do that. We had literally a basement and half of a basement at that. And so we had this vision for a family life center, a gym that, that we could gather in and the essence of the church could grow, a place where we could eat and laugh together, a place where our kids could, could run and play and learn and all of these things for the glory of Christ. And as time went on, as we pursued this project, that vision grew not to just include a new gym and a, a family life center, but to include this sanctuary that you and I are sitting in at this moment, a place where we could come and we could grow as a church and get more people in here, a place with no orange pews. If you've ever been in the old, in the old part of the church, the carpet and the pews, everything is orange. It's like a Texas Longhorns fan designed the place. I mean, it's ridiculous over there. A place with no orange pews, a place place that we could learn about Jesus Christ, a place where we, we could grow our commitment to him, and a place that we could celebrate his love, and a place that people could come to Christ. And for 16 years, this building has been that. It has fulfilled that vision. There have been thousands of games of basketball played here. There, there have been over 2,000 different meetings where we come together to learn and worship Christ together. In this building, I've seen it. People's eternities have been changed. And, and this was the vision of this building, is that we could come together and serve God. We've launched ministries from this building that has spread the gospel literally worldwide, like Operation Christmas Child. We have seen this building be everything that we hoped it would be, but it came with a price tag. And that price tag was a $400,000 loan. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that's monopoly money to me. Like, that's, I, don't, I don't work in those kind of numbers. A $400,000 loan, along with six-figure interest that we were going to have to pay to have this building. And that's a big task for a small church. This church hasn't always looked like it looks like this morning. I've been in this church when there's 35 of us, and that's all we're doing is gathering and worshiping and praying. And, and there were some scary times about, are we going to be able to make our loan? After Mike, uh, Brother Mike Ball left, our, our next pastor, Brother Aaron Maxwell, came in, and he inherited this large debt of nearly $400,000. And he came here, and in his wisdom, he saw that we needed to put a plan together to get ahead on our payments. By the end of his tenure here, we were a couple of years ahead on the payments. And this year, coming into 2021, we owed more than $90,000 on the building you and I are sitting in now. 
more than $90,000. It wasn't even on the radar to think about paying this building off. Nobody came up to me and said, do you think we can pay this off? If they had, I would have said no. But in a business meeting, there was a suggestion. Maybe we could put a little money on the building and we could start to knock that payment down a little bit and get closer. And as we began to look at our finances and look at the financial, financial structure of the church, how much money we had and how much we owed, another plan emerged. We made a plan. We said, we can be debt-free by the end of 2021. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was pushing hard for, let's, let's make it for Christmas. And internally, I was like, you know what? But if we have to pay into like February, that'll be okay. We'll still get it paid off. But we set before ourselves a large goal and put a plan to make that goal to be debt-free by the end of 2021. We emptied our bank account to only an operating budget to pay off the building. And then we put a cap on that bank account where we said anytime the money rises, rises above X amount, that money is going immediately on the building payment. And then, and then we did a six-week money drive. And you crazy people, you donated over $5,000 to pay this building off early. Not only, not only are we going to enter 2022 debt-free, we did this three and a half months earlier than our most possible, you know, the thing that we thought might have been possible when it comes to projection. This whole process of figuring out how to pay this building off took less than six months. Listen to me. Something like that does not happen because we're awesome. Listen, I love y'all and I hope you love me. And we are awesome, but we're not that awesome. Something like that happens when God is in the plans. And so today when we're celebrating, you know what we're celebrating? We're celebrating God's goodness to us and to our church that we were able, we were able to pay this off. So at this time, if I could have Brother Danny... Brother Larry, thank you. Still in his office, Brother Larry and Miss Teresa come up here. Oops, I was supposed to light these before service started, and I got kind of carried away. So I'm going to do that now. Pretend you don't see me. This is the original paperwork for our church. This is the original loan paperwork. And there's a little stamp right there that says September 13th paid. This represents the debt that we carried for 16 years that, that held our church down. And today we're celebrating the freedom from this debt by lighting things on fire. Brother Larry, would you hold this? And Brother Danny and Miss Teresa. Brother Larry and Brother Danny were the first, uh, or were on the line. They actually signed this. And Miss Teresa standing here in place of her father, Brother Clarence, who uh, passed away last year. He was our head builder. Amen. You hold it until your fingers hurt. That's how long you have to hold it. I got it. I'm gonna light them all, man. We're gonna have a big old fire in here. He had copy. We're gonna burn all the copies of that. Look at that. Okay, we'll put it down. I see what you're talking about now. Thank you, guys. Can we give God a round of applause again? Amen. How awesome is God? Now, at this point, if we really are celebrating God, it's, it's time for us to take a moment and just go to Him with a prayer of thankfulness. And, and as we've been doing for the past several weeks, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to pray silently, and then I'm going to pray with you. So if we could all bow our heads in, in silent prayer. If you would, please just praise God for who He is.
Now, if you would, if you have a memory of this church, tell that memory to God and, and thank Him for that. And would you ask God to guide us as we go into a new chapter at Ramsey Heights that everything we own would be used for Him? Father in heaven, God, we, uh, we come here today and we're celebrating your goodness because we don't deserve you. We don't deserve to be called your children. God, we don't deserve your blessings that you give us as a church. We, we don't deserve anything that you give us, but you are a God who loves unconditionally. We thank you for that. God, today we offer you a special thanks and a special praise for, for this building, this place of safety that we have gathered to grow. God, I thank you for the, for the experiences we've had. Lord, I've seen kids come to Christ in this church. I've seen so many smiles. We've seen so much go on here. And God, we pray as we continue that you would use this church and, and this building that belongs to this church, God, that you would use it for your glory. God, we pray for, for your blessings and in our ministries, and we pray that, that you will use us, that people will see your love through us. God, we love you. We do it all for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're celebrating freedom. Freedom from debt. Financial freedom. We have, we have the ability to do things that we have not been able to do in years. There have been times in this church when this debt to our church was a constant source of worry. The, the payment was over $1,000 a month, which may not sound like a lot, but there's been times when that was an awful lot for us. And now we have a freedom with those finances to do something different, a freedom that I believe with all of my heart that God provided for us. And I think before we go any farther, we better stop and we better notice a parallel here. Because we as a church, we were in debt. And I don't know why and I don't even really know how. But, but God stepped in and he helped us get through this. And I'm going to give him complete glory for the fact that we stand here debt free and, and that reminds me of the reason that this building exists. The reason that, the reason that Ramsey Heights exists is freedom. But not freedom from money, not freedom to spend money how we want to, but the freedom of God's grace that is given to all of us. See, as we look at our building and we think about the debt that we owed, we can look at ourselves and we all owed a debt to God because of our sin. And the price tag was way more than $400,000. That price tag was too high for us to pay. But God is a God of freedom and God is a God who pays off debts. And he came to us and he said, I will take your debt upon myself. And Jesus Christ hung on a cross in a place where I should have been, in a place where you should have been, so that he could pay off our debt and give us freedom in him. And before we go any farther talking about this building, because I don't worship a building, I'm excited. We don't worship this building. We're going to take a moment to worship God. I've asked Olivia this morning to come up, and she is going to teach us a new song. It is an old hymn that you're very familiar with, that you've known for a long time, coupled with a new course. And as you prepare for this, as you sing, don't worry about if you can sing with all of your heart right now. Just focus on what the words mean. This will be the first time you've heard it before. It's the first time that we've sung this together. Y'all like that song? I love that song. Our chains are gone. 
And when we come here, I mean, every time, that's what we want to celebrate. When we talk about being debt-free, when we talk about this, this building belonging to us, that's why we get to come here. And it's so easy to get complacent in that. And it's so easy to get caught up in the business of the church. It's so easy for us to think, well, this is just a habit. But today we celebrate God that He is a God who gives us freedom. I believe this... Let me just tell y'all before I go any farther. I worked really hard on this itinerary, and I've got it down to the minute. I'm telling people we're going to do this at 10.18. We're going to do this at 11.25. We're 10 minutes ahead of schedule. I've worried all week about it, so we'll throw that away. That means I get to talk longer, though. How about that? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It brings the question to us as we look at a church. What does this mean for us? We're free from debt. Our chains are gone when it comes to our sin. Like, what, what does this mean for you and me going forward? What's the point? Why do we celebrate? We have some extra money. And I think the question we're really asking is, what is next for our church? Is How are we going to use this freedom? Because $1,000 freed up a month is a game changer for our church. This is, this is not a church with a lot of money. I'm sorry to disappoint you if you thought we were giving out lottery tickets at the end of the thing. We're, we're doing the best that we can, and God loves us and he uses us anyway. This is a game changer for us. So how are we going to use this new freedom? And I think if we're going to define our next chapter, we had better define it first by defining our identity. Who are we? What matters most to us? What, what's important? What is the core of our existence here? Because we as a church, we could take that money, that extra money every month, and we could just let it build up in the account. Some churches do that. I was talking to another pastor today, and he was telling me about a churches. Their most closely guarded thing is, is how big they can get that church account. Not because they need it or they're not building for anything. They're just, they like the security of, of having it there and just watch those numbers go up and up and up. He also told me that church is dying with $100,000 in the bank account. I don't know how much it was. It was a lot of money. He said, the church is dying. And we could be that church. That could be our identity. We're a church that takes our money and we're going to put it in that bank account and we're just going to make sure that it builds. We could do that. We could, we could take this money and we could hire some new staff, a nice little associate pastor so you didn't have to listen to me every single week. He preached once a month. We could do that. We could hire a cleaning service so those of you that are up here at midnight, you know, trying to clean the church don't have to do that anymore. We, we could do that. And the list goes on and on and on. We could buy new things that make us happy. We, we could spend money on something that we think we need. We could do all of those things. My question is, is, is that who we are as a church? Is that who Ramsey Heights is? The, the most important thing to us is us? That's not who I want us to be. And I know your heart. I don't think that's who you are either. If we ask ourselves about our identity, I think we would have to say we're a church in every sense of the word. And then we define what a church is. A church is a group of people whose debt has been paid, whose chains are gone, who's found freedom from sin, who worships the God that created the universe. And we come together to learn, and we come together to build each other up. And once we've done that, we come together to go out into the world and see God's kingdom grow. Is that who we are? That is our identity. Is we are a church that wants to see God's kingdom grow. And so if we are God's church, what that tells me is that God, the church's money then becomes God's money. As a matter of fact, did you know this about Ramsey Hots? I bet if you hadn't been to a business meeting, I bet you didn't know this. Did you know Ramsey Hots doesn't have a bank account? We don't have a single penny in the bank. 
You know, God has a bank account that he has entrusted to Ramsey Heights to manage. And that's when we look at finances of this church, that's how I want us to look at finances. It's not our money. It's God's money. It's for him and it's for his purposes and it's for him to, to grow his particular part. And so when we ask, what are we going to do with this new money? It's not that we have more money, but we have more free money. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to serve us or are we going to ask God what he would like for us to do with it? And if you ask God what he would like us to do with the money, you go to the Bible and you look at the Bible and you say, what does the Bible tell us to do? And there's a story in Matthew 25 where Jesus is speaking. And this kingdom that we're talking about building, this kingdom of God, Jesus describes this kingdom of God in a parable. It just means that it's a story that means something else. It's like a metaphor. Jesus describes this kingdom of God in a parable. He said, the kingdom of God is like this. He said, there's a wealthy businessman and he's going out of town for a while, not planning to be back, not planning to manage his finances. And so he calls three servants to him, and to each one he gives a little bit of money. Not a little bit of money, actually a lot of money. He says, here you go, to each of those servants. Gives them different amounts. He says, while I'm gone, you're to manage this. Just like the money that, that is in the Ramsey Heights bank account is not ours, it's money God has given us to manage it. And the first servant, he has, it's called the parable of the talents. Ten talents, you can say $10 or $100, it doesn't matter. It's just a measurement of money. And he takes it and he goes and he puts that money to work and he invests it. And, and the second servant does the same thing. He has five talents and he goes and he takes that money and he puts it to work and he invests it. And when the master comes back, he calls his servants to him and he says, okay, I entrusted you with some money. Where is it at? And servant number one comes up to him. He says, here's the money you entrusted it to me. I put it to work to you, for you. I invested wisely. And I've actually doubled the amount of money. Here's, here's the rest of the money. I put it to work for you. And my favorite words in the Bible, one day I hope to hear this. The master says to his servant, well done, my good and faithful servant. The second servant comes up to him and he says, where's the money I entrusted you with? And he hands that money to the, to the master again. He says, I invested the money. I put it to work for you and I've doubled the money that you have. So here's your money plus interest, plus 100% interest. And the master looks at him and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And to those two, he is so excited and he brags about them and tells them how good they've done. And then he gives them a promotion. He says, since you've done so good with what I've given you, I'm gonna entrust you with more. Now, the third servant, he wasn't as smart. The third servant is me. He's that guy that cubby holds his money. And he's scared of what might happen if he loses it. So that third servant, when he got that money, while those other two were out investing it, he was so scared about what's going to happen if I lose this money? What happens if I do something bad with it? What if I lose it? He's so worried about that he doesn't even try to invest it. And he goes, he goes out into a field and he digs a hole and he buries that money and he leaves it there. I think that's how we paid off the church. I think some of you guys had some money buried and you put it in the offering plate is what happened. And when the master comes back, he goes and he gets the money. And I have to picture myself as a servant, how I would think of this. I would be so excited. Those other dummies risk his money by investing it. He's going to be so mad at them. Yeah, they made a little bit of money, but that's like gambling. He's going to be so upset with them that they gave that money away and then got it back and invested it back. He's going to be so proud of me. I took no chances. I did nothing. And this third servant, he walks up to his master and he says, uh, look, here's the money you gave me. 
I have to envision him going, didn't I do good? I, I kept the money. I, I had it in a hole in the ground. There's not a penny of it missing. I knew that you wouldn't want any of it gone. You're very astute with your finances, Master. I don't want you to lose anything, so I didn't lose anything. Here's my shoulder. Go ahead and pat it if you want to. And what the Master says to him is not what he said to the other ones. This is from Matthew 25. This is the reply of the master to that third servant. You wicked and lazy servant. Well, that took a turn, didn't it? Some of us had parents that way. Like, we thought we did really good, and man, they were not excited. You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received mine own interest. Therefore take a talent, that's the money, from him. And then he goes on to say, and give it to the other two who invested it wisely. This was one of the most convicting stories in the Bible to me. For that third servant to think he did so good by putting that money somewhere where he didn't lose it and come back and the master is upset with him. So you wicked and lazy servant. You could have at least put it in the bank and I could have got some interest on it, but you didn't use it for me. And I think at the heart of that third servant, I think at the heart of him was not, I want to serve my master. I think what he was thinking is I want to serve me. I want to make sure I don't put myself in danger and so I'm not going to worry about doing what this master wants me to do. You know who I think that story is written to? I think that story was written for us because it tells us something about our master, Jesus Christ, who said he's coming back. And he said to us as a church, I entrust you with X amount of money. I entrust you with this building. I entrust you with this community. I'll be back one day, be working while I'm gone. And we have the opportunity as a church to decide, am I the first kind of servant that takes the things that he has entrusted me with and put it to work for him or am I the second kind of servant that hides it in the ground and says well at least I'm safe I think we're the first kind I think we're the kind that wants to see God's God's kingdom grow and with this new freedom he's entrusted us with spendable money I know what God expects he expects that if we love him, if we really do worship him, if we really do trust him, if we can really sit here and sing, my chains are gone, amazing grace, that he expects us as his servants to put that money to work for him and not for ourselves. And this is our first priority here at Ramsey Heights, is to put God's money back to work for him. We, we don't do all this other stuff. We, we've got stuff to take care of. We've got a building. We've got bills to pay. We're entrusted with that money for that purpose. But prior, priority number one, is making sure, making sure that we're putting God's money to work for him. It's just like you when you pay your bills, right? There's something that's first because it's important to you. I'll go ahead and tell you I'm not bragging. This is me. For me, it's the tithe. That comes out before anything else. Even if you don't tithe, it's your house payment because you don't want to lose that house. There's something that's a priority for you that you pay off before you pay off anything else. And at Ramsey Heights, our priority is seeing God's money that has been entrusted to us, is seeing it put to work for him. You may not know this. Up to this point, since um, about 2018, the fall of 2018, Ramsey Heights takes 10% of everything that is dropped in the offering plate, and we immediately give it away. I'm not exaggerating. 10%. You drop a $100 bill on the plate, we're sending 10 of it to somewhere for God to use it for work. Now, we don't just sit out there on the street corner and hand it out to random people, but we're sending it to different people. 
we send some of that to the BMA of America. And that funds worldwide missionaries that go all over the world spreading the gospel of Christ. And you and I, we are working for God by funding them and making sure that they have money to eat and money to travel. That's where part of our money goes to. Some more of that 10% goes to the BMA of Arkansas. That's, that funds statewide missionaries. When somebody has a vision given to them by God that says there is another church needed in this community to serve their needs and share the gospel, you and I, we pay some of their bills. We, we make sure that they're taken care of so that they can focus on doing God's work and they have what they need to do. And we spread the gospel that way. Another portion of that 10% goes to um, our association, which is about 19 different churches that come together and we combine funds and we use that money to work for God. We use that money to give kids scholarships to the Bible College in Conway, to CBC. We use that money to um, fund kids going to church camp every year, kids that can't afford $100 to go to church camp. That money goes into a pool and those kids are taken care of where that money is manageable for a church or for a family. So those kids can go to church camp and they can hear and hear about Jesus and worship him together. That money is given to another local mission, another missionary. Currently, right now, we're giving money to a missionary in Flippin, Arkansas, who planted a church about a week before COVID hit. And it's already grown, and they've already seen five salvations in the midst of COVID. We, we are working in that. Now, as much as I would love to be off in Africa doing that with them, as much as I would love to be planting a church right now, God has called us here to be missionaries to our community. And so we minister to the world. We, we go out and share the gospel with the world by making sure that those who are doing it are funded. And with this new freedom we have, with this new freedom we have, we are going to increase our giving. Say amen to that. We are going to increase our giving to these different ministries. So we're going to give a 2% increase, which means that 12% of everything that is given to Ramsey Heights is immediately going out. Now, those numbers may not sound like a lot, like 10%, 2%, 12%. Does it really matter, Brian? It does matter. I believe it matters. Last year in 2020, in a COVID year, we didn't even meet for eight Sundays. Nobody could drop money in the offering plate. There was nobody here to pick it up. We gave away over $8,000 to these different ministries to make sure that missionaries were funded, to make sure that, that their ministries had what they needed to reach people with the gospel. And even without an increase in giving this year, in 2021, we are on track to do over 10000 this year, money going out from here. That's a lot of money to me. I don't know about y'all. $10,000 is a lot of money. We could have done a lot of things with $10,000, but we didn't. We did one thing with that money. We gave it to Christ. And so we will increase this. We will increase this. Those numbers, by the way, those numbers don't even, those don't even mention what we put into Operation Christmas Child, what you and I put into Operation Christmas Child on our own. When we send off 200 boxes that cost $9 a piece to ship and they all have $3 teddy bear in them. Those numbers don't even include that that we're sending off to spread the gospel with it. There's a lot of money going out here. And in fact, I, I did the math on this and you guys should be proud because I'm horrible at math. You know what? Under our current financial structure, with an increase of giving to 12%, guess what our largest monthly single expenditure will be? It'll be giving to missions. Isn't that awesome? That, that tells you where our heart is. It may not always be that way, but our largest monthly expenditure will be given to missions. That means Brother Larry, our treasurer, is going to write checks at the beginning of the month, and he's going to write the water bill, and he's going to write the light bill, and he's going to write the gas bill, and he's going to write the bill for the pastor's salary. And all of those checks on most months are going to be smaller than the check he writes to go out. That's 
who we are. That is our identity. And I have been so excited since the moment that we figured out we might pay off this church. I'm going, we're going to give some more money to God. We're going to figure out another way to, to help God. And so what we're going to do today, what we're going to do today for the rest of service is I want you to introduce, I want to introduce you to ministries that we are considering adding to our uh, to our giving, a new ministry that we're considering adding. We're going to choose one. I've given you three options. And out of all these, I can't pick. I love them all. So in your bulletin, there's a little purple piece of paper. On the front of it, it says itinerary. And it just tells you all the things that we had planned today that I thought was going to take us to 12.05 and we're actually going to be out here 10 minutes early. But that's okay. It's okay. So on the front of that is the itinerary. On the back of that is a survey. And it's got three ministries back there. And I want to hear your voice. Who, who do you think that we should give to? I'm going to introduce those to you. A couple of them, we have videos of the people that run them introducing to you. But we are going to survey you guys. I want to hear the voice of everybody here. Who do you feel like our church could best support and work for God for? You guys ready? Here we go. Number one is water for Christ. We were first introduced to Water at Christ a few years ago when uh, uh, we took the youth group to Sorb. And it's this really cool ministry that they go out and they dig water wells. And as I was looking at this and I was preparing for this, this, this Bible verse kept coming to my mind. And when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, oh, it's really pretty simple. Love the Lord God with all your heart. And then he volunteered a second one. You know what he said? You guys should know this. He said, love others as you love yourself. And this is a ministry that, that loves others by providing for their physical needs, providing them drink, drinkable water. Matthew 25, 35, this is Jesus speaking, says, For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Jesus later explains what he meant by that, is when you take care of people, when you take care of the people that God created, he views it the same as if you were taking care of him. And so this ministry takes care of people's physical needs in that same way. In this world, people do not want to hear about your love. They want to see your love. And once you show them your love, it gives you an opportunity to tell them about the gospel. And this project opens doors to tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead and play that video of Water for Christ. sanitation needs for third world countries and Bobby Bowman I have to give him all the credit for uh, calling me and saying brother Tim I got a, a chief in Africa that I brought to uh, know the Lord and uh, when he brought, and when he uh, witnessed to him and he accepted Christ as his Savior, Brother Bobby asked him, now what can I do for you? And the chief said, I need water for my people. said, I know a man in the United States that I will bring back and he will get water for your people. So Brother Bobby calls me up and says, Tim, you got to come to Africa with me. 
About 30 wells later, we're still in Africa. water is going to uh, help us a lot. I believe that by the grace of God, people will come and drink the water. Not only the water, they will drink the water of life. the graphics in that video shocked me. It said one in nine people in the world do not have access to clean drinking water. And out of all the new needs of humans, water, food, and shelter are the top three. And then love is very important as well. And one in nine people in the world do not have access to drinking water. And this ministry goes out and doesn't just take them water. It drills wells in their village so that people have access to that water. And then it opens the door because when people's physical needs are met, you can then meet their spiritual needs. And so when they come up and say, hey, why did you come all the way from America to come drill this well in our village for free? You, you didn't charge us anything. You didn't ask for anything. You know what the answer is? Oh, I want you to have water, but I want you to have the living water more so. And it opens opportunities for us to see growth across the world. I did the math once again. You guys are going to hear that a lot this week, and you're never going to hear did the math again for me. Our estimated giving will give Ramsey Heights the ability to purchase one water well, one complete water well, every two years, just from our church. That's not anybody else contributing. That's just us. Actually, it'll give, us, uh, give them more than enough to do one water well. That's a, that's a huge, huge ability to give. So consider water for Christ. Now, don't write the other two off yet. You've got to listen to all of them before you make your decision. The next one, we've got a graphic coming up here, is EIM. This is the Evangelistic International Ministries. Years ago, they came here and they shared with us some of, the, uh, some of their ministry that they did. This one does not have a video, so I'm going to try my best to explain it. Please don't write it off just because they don't have a cool video. They have a really cool ministry. EIM is focused on short-term mission trips where they go somewhere very remote for a week to three weeks. And they will take, uh, they'll take us if you've got enough money. We can go with them. We've actually talked with them about that. You can go with them. And their entire focus as they go is can we find a way to reach people who are unreached with the gospel, to reach them with the gospel. I'm not talking about somebody who didn't have a church in their area. I'm talking about people who have never heard of Jesus Christ. And they're reaching these areas for that purpose, taking others with them. I'm going to read you something from their website here since they don't have a video. It says, since its conception, we have sought to meet the needs of people around the world in three specific areas. Physical, emotional, and spiritual. Our efforts to meet the physical and emotional needs of some of the world's most impoverished communities has allowed us to give them what they need most. The gospel of Jesus Christ. 
We have fed thousands in Honduras, Ghana, and the Philippines through our feeding programs and gifted over 500,000 children with the Shepherd's Bag Ministry. With every opportunity to meet a physical need, we have been given the privilege to proclaim the good news of the gospel. In these two areas of ministry alone, we have witnessed God's saving power in countless lives. Through our pastoral training ministry, we have equipped pastors in remote villages of Tanzania, Nepal, Ghana, and the Philippines, and have seen their churches grow, and the gospel taking root among these beautiful people. I love this ministry as well, just like I love Water for Christ. They're doing exactly what we want to do and what Water for Christ is doing, what our next missionary is doing. Is they're taking the gospel across the world so people who do not know about their future without Christ can know his love. Uh, some of the things I found on their website is since 1998, what's that, 23 years? Thank you for nodding. 23 years, half a million Bibles in native languages spread across these countries. These countries that it's talking about, that they're currently operating in, Ghana, Honduras, Nepal, the Philippines, Pakistan, and Tanzania. When you talk about worldwide ministry, that is worldwide. That represents Africa and Central America, East Asia, really close to India, East Asia and the Pacific Southwest. You can't get more worldwide than that spreading the gospel. One of their biggest ministries is much like our Operation Christmas Child ministry is the shepherd bags. People don't want to hear that you love them until they see that you love them. And so these missionaries, when they travel, they take a Ziploc bag that they call a shepherd bag. And within the shepherd bag is soap, crayons, pencils, stuffed animals, a Frisbee, a bracelet, a bouncy ball, and a gospel coloring book. And before they try to proclaim the gospel, they just, they come into the community and they let everybody see them. We're just giving these kids things that they need. We're loving on them with things that they don't have. And that gives them the opportunity to say, if you want to know why I gave that, come meet me down here. And they preach the gospel just like we do here. If we choose to support EIM, we will give them enough money to provide over 300 shepherd's bags per year. 300 children, more than what we're, uh, in addition to our Operation Christmas Child, will receive things that they need so that EIM can tell them about their, uh, their need for a Savior. So that's option number two. You guys see why I needed your help, right? These are hard to pick between. These are hard to pick between. The last one I'm not going to talk about very much. The last one is a missionary named Joe Costa. I actually spoke with Joe about a month ago. He is the BMA missionary to Lebanon. If you don't know much about Lebanon, Lebanon is a predominantly Muslim country. And he is there working. Him and his wife are there working. And they are trying to um, equip the churches there to reach these Muslim people, especially Syrian refugees who are coming into the country to escape the civil war in Syria. So he says, um, in the video he'll tell you more and I'll let him tell you a whole lot more about it that they are focused on equipping pastors serving the needs of churches you'll see him talk about food vouchers here in a, a minute and discipling leaders we've got another video here Joe Costa it's a little longer but he's going to tell you about his ministry hey guys so we're going right now to Beirut uh, specifically to West Beirut to pick up vouchers from the headquarters of one of the big uh, grocery stores uh, in Lebanon. At the beginning of the financial crisis back in uh, January 2020 basically uh, we used to give out food boxes and uh, then after a bit when Corona started uh, hygiene kits but we felt that 
uh, if we give vouchers, supermarket vouchers, we can give uh, these families the freedom to pick whatever they want uh, and to uh, choose the products they need according to uh, their homes. So basically these are the vouchers there for 275,000 Lebanese Lira which means 20, 20 to 25 uh, US dollars. So back in the, in the day, back in 2019, that wasn't a lot of, um, lot of money. But right now, $20 in cash uh, means a lot. It can sustain uh, a family of four for maybe two to three weeks. It can buy a lot of uh, essentials and maybe a few other stuff as well uh, in terms of uh, hygiene things and hygiene products. So we're going to see Layla, an elderly lady that we usually visit once a month. It's really nice to visit uh, Layla because we sit, we talk, we laugh, as we discuss life, we show and we show her love and grace in these difficult times. Like Layla, uh, many families have been uh, devastated by the, by the economic crisis and especially by the Beirut port explosion. Many have been struggling in making ends meet. Please pray for them as they seek God uh, when there's no one else to turn to. Mainly after the revolution of October 2019, things have digressed and digressed quickly. Even statistics won't give the situation in Lebanon any justice. I'll throw a bit here just to give you a glimpse of things. The Lebanese lira has dropped significantly, unemployment is at more than 40%, and some statistics even show that the crisis basically cancelled the middle class in Lebanon with more than 50% of the population under the poverty line. Not to mention the problems that Lebanon already had, like the Syrian refugee crisis and lack of electricity, etc. etc. And of course, adding insult to injury, we cannot but talk about the Beirut port blast that destroyed half the city and left everyone devastated and basically broken. So yeah, things are bad, but the Lord has been good and He has been with us all along. Through this adversity, He has provided. He has been merciful and loving. He has opened doors for us to love people, serve them and engage with the message of the gospel. The Relief Ministry has opened the door for us to assist more than 320 families a month all around Lebanon. Our strategy is basically two things. First, helping other churches and like-minded ministries through the vouchers we are providing so they may serve their local community and show love to their neighbors. 
vendors and second to help needy people ourselves with the vouchers and pharmacy needs as we try to visit them on a regular basis and develop relationships with them through gracious donations we also have helped more than 50 families with repairing damages caused by the beirut explosion because of this ministry we are able to enter people's homes and share the gospel hear about their problems and develop sustainable relationships with them we have a team of nine currently visiting around 10 homes on a monthly basis pastoring and shepherding them during COVID-19 the Lord gave us a big opportunity that was in front of our eyes the whole time technology because of lockdowns and quarantines our social media ministry Shibi Feed that produces Arabic content with the help of LifeWord Media Ministry almost doubled since everyone was at home and on their phones and laptops during that time we created more videos developed an engagement team that replies to comments and messages in hopes of having good and sustainable conversations with young people and also hired qualified personnel so we can continue creating more videos and content for the arab youth through facebook and instagram we reach thousands of young arabs daily what we want is not only to create creative content but to develop relationships and show these young people who jesus Jesus truly is. So far our staff is made up of seven part-time and full-timers. We also have volunteers and freelancers who help us write, present and reply to content. Please pray for the team so that the Lord may bless their work and that in everything they do glorify Him alone. We also want to share with you about the Bible study and discipleship ministry that is happening. Through social media and the relief ministry, God has not only opened doors, but also opportunities to open conversations and have time with young people to discuss the Bible and their daily struggles. With the help of Zoom and Skype, we started faith discussions and Bible study meetings, and we now have two groups meeting on a weekly basis with young people, especially from a Muslim background, wanting to know more about their purpose and how to live the best version of their lives. Please continue to pray for us. Pray for the Arab world, especially Lebanon, and the hard times it's going through. Please pray for its people so they may ask questions and draw closer to God. Please pray for all the ministry work that is happening in the region and for the people who are being used by God as tools to do this good work. Also pray for future projects as we are preparing for youth trainings and conferences in Lebanon, Syria and the Arab world. We also would like to encourage you to support our ministry, especially during this time. We are continuing our relief efforts and our ministry on social media. Through social media, we are reaching many people, especially those from a Muslim background and starting to develop relationships with them. Your support will help us to develop a bigger team for engagement and more online exposure. As for relief, we need support to ensure sustainability so we may continue to help people in need throughout 2021 and hopefully 2022, whether it's through giving out vouchers or helping out with urgent needs like pharmacy needs, medical bills, or fixing appliances. Whichever amount the Lord has put on your heart would go a long way to help people with their needs and essentials and would also help us reach people with the gospel and the love of Christ. We love you guys. We thank you a lot for your support and prayers. I told you, there's, there's not a good choice, is there? 
you guys are going to have to tell me what you want. According to his figures, the amount of money we expect to be able to give Joe Costa per year would be enough for us to provide three to four weeks of needs for 120 families in Lebanon per year. That's not what my, that doesn't mean that's what it'll be used for, but that's the equivalent of what we're giving. You know, as I watched all these videos, I'm just I'm more convinced. The Bible says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I see people out here, and they are doing everything for the gospel. They are so close to bringing people to Christ, and they need a little bit more financial support to get there. I'm convinced not only are we doing the right things in increasing our giving, I'm convinced that as God gives us more and more ability, we need to look for more ways to increase in the future. So on that little piece of paper there, just tell me what's...